Welcome to LGBTFC, the podcast chronicling the LGBTQ plus experience in the beautiful game, one story at a time. This is a very special episode that we are bringing to you all as part of our June LGBTQ plus Pride Month. Hi, Luke. How are you? Hi, Daisy. Oh, my gosh. Let's introduce ourselves. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. So, Daisy, how do you identify? So, I identify as queer and my pronouns are she, her, ella. How do you identify? Thanks for asking. I identify as gay and my pronouns are he, him. And welcome, everyone, to this special episode. We are going to dive into the show shortly. But before we do, we ask that wherever you listen to LGBTFC, you please rate and review us. That's how we grow our audience. And please tell others about us. That way, you can be part of making sure that the stories you bring to you every couple weeks reach even more people. So this is a special episode because this is June Pride Month. And regular listeners know that we've had on a number of LGBTQ supporters of soccer clubs or football clubs, depending on how you describe it, over our first many episodes. But today, Daisy, we have a special treat for our audience, don't we? Yes, we do. Today is so cool. We have none other than former professional player for the Washington Spirit, Olympian, and World Cup player. That's right. Oh, my gosh. We have Lori Lindsay. We'll hear more from Lori shortly. And that includes how she came to the beautiful game, what it was like for her coming out. She's now an Apple TV, MLS and CBS Sports and WSL broadcaster where you can hear her giving amazing commentary every weekend. So she's really busy and we are so grateful that she took time out of her schedule to sit down and talk with us. I'm so excited. Super excited. So our regular shows, we have our day and gay, which we go to right after our open. But we're just going to dive right back into this interview with Lori. Because we cannot wait. We can't wait. So thank you all for being with us and enjoy the interview. Welcome back, everyone. We have a very special treat for you on this episode of LGBTFC. She's a member of Apple TV's MLS broadcasting crew and CBS's NWSL broadcast team and the co-host of a soccer show on Sirius XM Radio. But I would say maybe even more importantly, she played professional soccer for over a decade, started in 2002, including in the Women's United Soccer Association, the WPS, and then to NWSL. And what's more, she featured as a U.S. women's national team midfielder, including in the 2011 World Cup, where the U.S. went all the way to the final. We are so delighted to have with us today, none other than the incomparable Lori Lindsay. Lori, welcome to LGBTFC. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here and excited to chat with you all. Thank you so much for being here. We have an Olympian. That's right. On the podcast. <laughs> I, I should have. I didn't even. I'm inclu- so excited. Daisy called me out oh for not including that in the God. intro. I'm like, <laughs> where do I say it? I want to scream it out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like Thank you so place. much for being, with <laughs> for being with us. Before we begin, Lori, please share with our audience how you identify. Yeah. You know, mainly queer woman, former U.S. Women's National Team player, current broadcaster all the with all the stations and um, companies that you just mentioned. And yeah, lover of life. And I would say that's about it. All right. Beautiful. I love it. Lover of life. That's now great. tell us, Laurie, how did you come to the beautiful game? Yeah, my I have an older brother, about 18 months older than I am, grew up in Indiana. 
And when we were young, my, my parents got divorced when I was two. And so I lived with my dad, both of us did. And then we essentially just were thrown into a lot of different sports and growing up in Indiana, I wouldn't say that like soccer was a hotbed by any means, but it was, it was certainly starting to come alive and the sport was growing. But at that time it was just easier for my dad to like truck us both around rather than try to put us in all these different sports separately. So I found myself primarily doing whatever my brother was doing at the time, because he was the one that was like saying what we were going to do, the sports we were going to play. And his love was in soccer. So I would show up to his his practices. I primarily played with all boys teams when I was younger. And our dad, Larry, was the coach for most of that time <laughs> early on, which is like a whole nother story and a bit bonkers. So it was a family affair. Total family affair. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Looking back, we're like, that was wild. But yeah, great. And like, really just like a love for the game. All three of us in particular fell in love. And, you know, I had a few breaks there. Um, tried to become a professional or wanted to become a famous actress in middle school and quit soccer. For <laughs> Who doesn't want to become a famous anyway, actress, fell Laurie? Love, fell in love with sport and really haven't looked back since. So. <laughs> what, what kind of acting? Comedy? Drama? I, I got, we got to know. These are the... Bad acting is what it was. <laughs> Different no, category. Like, <laughs> what happened was, since my dad was the coach and like early on, he was like, really like the dad that was like, okay, you're going to play sports. I've learned, he started playing soccer himself. It really was like a family affair. And he was like determined for us to be like, that's the pathway to get into college, get scholarship. And so by the time I got to middle school, I was just like pretty burnt out because it was like, you're going to train every day before you do your homework. You're like, I'm coaching you. This is, it was pretty serious early on. And I mean, this isn't a sob story either, but it was very serious in the fact that like, by the time I was in middle school, I was like, oh, I'm burnt out. Like I've had enough. And I just wanted to express myself in a, in a different way. So mm -hmm. my mom and her wife put me into these acting classes and we did the diary of Anne Frank, which is like wow. a whole other thing too. Like very Ooh. serious. Anyway, serious terrible, in middle school? Like, oh my, that's serious business yeah, right no, there. It was so wild. <laughs> it was wild. But everyone was terrible except for this one uh, <laughs> one girl in our class who was awesome and she was the lead. And then, and then listen, I couldn't get back to soccer quick enough. And it was, <laughs> okay, clearly, this is not the calling. Let's move forward. The, and, the grass was not yeah. greener. All right. You, you, you <laughs> yeah, dropped a little... Exactly. You dropped a little gem there. Uh, what do they call that? A um, when something's like hidden in a story that it's like, wait a minute, what? Uh, what? There's a, there's a term for that, and like in movies or TV shows where there's something that's like brought in through someone's. Where you said your your mom and her wife. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your since this is a story about the LGBTQ community, a little bit about your experience in coming out too, right? Because you talked about you know you're growing up and deciding that acting wasn't for you. But like, <laughs> where does where does your coming out as queer in all of this also then play a role? Yeah, well, I'll back up a little bit. So my parents divorced when I was two, so in like 1982. And mainly my mom was like, okay, I'm leaving this relationship because I'm a, a gay woman. And um, In 1982? Yeah. Yeah. In so Indiana. This is like, this is like a in Indiana story. Like, exactly. I know. It is, when you look back, you're like, this should be a movie because that the boldness of my mom at this time is like spectacular. And you don't realize it. I don't even think I've really grasped it until like the last decade on how, what a move that was, right? To say like, hey, I'm leaving and I can't be in this relationship anymore. Anymore. Not only just to acknowledge that like that's challenging in itself and very emotionally destabilizing when you're leaving a relationship, right? Regardless. So, but to be like, hey, listen, I'm living my truth. And ultimately we ended up living with my dad because 
no courts were going to give a, my mom mm. custody knowing that she was an out lesbian woman. So yeah, so my parents divorced, um, lived with my dad, like I said, put us in sport and stuff. And then as I grew up, I just knew my mom to be with women, right? I don't remember my parents being married because I was so young, but yeah, I remember my mom and her and her wife, Susan, live outside Boston where my brother and his wife and their two daughters are and my sister-in-law's family is as well. Married 30, 30 plus years. And so that kind of started like the understanding for me from like a very clear understanding from a very early age. Like I really kind of understood even in kindergarten, like when uh, Miss Siegel became Mrs. Redmond, like I was pretty devastated about that. She's marrying a man that was my kindergarten teacher. And um, why am I so devastated? (laughs) I was like, I have the biggest crush on you, Miss Siegel, becoming Mrs. Redmond. So this is devastating. Anyway, I, I could recognize those feelings right early on, I think in ways that like many others wouldn't be able to just given their situation. But I think yeah. what's interesting about it all is now reflecting is that it is very much, we talk about people's journey is very much a journey on what that looks like in coming out. Because even though I could, I understood, I'm have this, like this role model of someone who's like completely living their truth in the eighties in Indiana of like a state that's not accepting at all. But it's very much, I think the way that I can understand it even now is like, whoa, how much of a journey it is for each individual, because I'm seeing this in front of me, right? I have this like spectacular person living this life that's the truest for them. Yet it took me quite a while to come out still because again, Indiana, I wanted to play soccer. I was very driven. It was, and that was going to be my focus. So I didn't even come out until college, even though I could understand or relate to the feelings that I was having since kindergarten, since I was five or six years old. So you came out in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to share a little bit with our audience about what that was like for you? Yeah, I, I played soccer. I went to University of Virginia. I played soccer there. And um, we had a like a, a wonderful tight-knit team. And I think at that time, I was just, you know, becoming more confident in myself and who I was. And with having such a, my class in particular, like a tight-knit group, it just felt like, what am I even doing? Like, I clearly... Like this is like now I'm just like going against who I am thoroughly, right? So, just I I came out to close friends, uh, my family, to no surprise to everybody, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it was just step by step from there in terms of being more vocal and I, really since then I have I, totally since then I've never been in the closet. I've been fully out. It was just a matter of like the public life, uh-huh. what that looks like, and having you know as a as our national team became more popular, what did that look like in terms of like publications asking for more like a vocal outing, I guess, public outing? Yeah, thank you so much, Lori. What's your assessment of soccer today for both the, the men and women's games as it relates to LGBTQ plus inclusivity? Yeah, I think on the women's side, I think it is like thoroughly a very accepting welcoming environment, right? We're seeing out coaches, we're seeing vocally out players uh, more and more all the time, feeling comfortable with expressing their sexuality, which is wonderful, right? And I think you see on the men's side where you have very few, I'm not even sure we actually have a publicly out male player right now in, in Major League Soccer with- Not in Major League Soccer with currently. San Diego. Yeah, yeah, Collins, with, San Diego. yeah, yeah. But like, again, we're talking like one hand, right? Fewer than one hand. So clearly there is still 
what I would say is fear, a fear of um, being who you are, accepted in the community. And I think that's driven from a lot of different aspects. And I think overarching to the the bigger question is not only for the players, but what does the entire environment look like for fans? How how comfortable do fans feel? And what are what are we doing to take steps to make this a much more inclusive? So making headway. And I think it's it's always constantly getting better. And there's these conversations that are taking place, but still obviously elements of fear. So that, you know, that's challenging because there's clearly gay men playing in the sport that just aren't out. That's one of the things we talked about on the very first episode is that there's clearly, if you just do the math, there's hundreds, if not yeah. thousands of gay and bisexual men currently playing the game professionally across around yeah. the world. And we know of five, right? Yeah. So that says something. I, I will just note, though, I, I think it's meaningful that Major League Soccer at least makes an effort in some fashion, with, although there's been some back and forth about the uh, this year's kit, the, the pride kit and what people feel about it. But I do appreciate that they're trying, it would seem, to shed some light on this. Do you feel like the league is as inclusive as it could be or are there areas where you think it, it could improve and how? Well, one, I agree with you because I have called games for ESPN and Fox and had a brief stint with Nashville and then COVID hit. Um, so I have worked within the league, but not in the capacity that I am this year, which has been like such a wonderful experience. And just to see, obviously, many more years down the line than NWSL. So seeing the steps that have been taking in a, in a lot of different avenues, in particular, the LGBTQIA plus arena. So, yes, I credit uh, major league soccer as well. But I think there's always stuff, right? And, you know, one thing that I always look at is, you know, low hanging fruit is the month of June is pride month and being active in that month, being vocal. And then, but what are we doing the other 11 months? Right. And so I think those are steps that we can always take is making sure that those conversations are always at the top. And, and we're always thinking about, okay, is this what's best for this community? And, and how are we driving it forward? not just one month out of the year, but consistently. I definitely agree. Definitely for Pride, it's a, a reminder of how far we've come, but how far we need to go still. Yeah. You know, exactly. we just, the, the MLS dropped the Pride kit and some of us got to participate here in LA for LAFC in modeling the jersey, which was so much fun. Never participated in anything like that, which was really cool. But it goes up and the social media comments you know, not all of them, but a lot of them are incredibly homophobic. And of course, it reminds you, mm, we need to uh, keep these conversations happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yep. for sure. So what is it about LGBTQ visibility in the game that is important? Why does it matter? I mean, because some people might say, well, it's, you know, it's, it's sort of the, they might give the equivalent of the shut up and drivel comment, right? Like, who needs this? I mean, who needs to make this political? Why are we making this political? Why is this important? in your mind, that there is visibility and representation for the LGBTQ community in both the women's and men's games? Well, I think one, if we peel back the layers, I mean, sport is about having fun. It's about enjoyment, right, of the game. That's how everyone got into it. I mean, now we're talking about the highest level of like Major League Soccer and around the world. But in general, sport is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be about bringing people together and enjoying the entertainment of it all. And it's proven. I mean, one of my good friends, Megan Rapino, before the 2012 Olympics, right, like does a huge spread for Out Magazine. Again, much like me, was living a very out life. It wasn't like there was any hiding of that. But then you you express that vocally, you express who you are to the world and lights out. 
the 2012 Olympics changed her life, changed her career in terms of how she played. And, and I think that's just one example of what sport can do if you're living your truth is like you are playing much freer, you are living who you are. And so one is that is the key to me, but also just human decency, human about how we're treating one another, being visible, making sure that this is a welcoming space, not only for the players, but again, who's driving this, the the fans. That's what makes this sport special. And I think sometimes we forget the entire focus and then encompasses so much more than just the product on the field, right? And there's so much more involved. Yeah, absolutely. For us, you know, soccer is always more than just soccer, you know? And so we're able to participate in this podcast We're about to be a year old. And so that's how we're pushing these conversations forward with folks, right? And also being able to have folks like you on here that are just, is just tremendous for different folks who are going to hear this episode to hear about our different experiences. I'm just super excited. I'm like, I think this is our first Olympian who's queer on here. And that's so beautiful to it's me. It's wonderful. Yeah, so exciting. I mean, I'm curious with, with the World Cup and with the Olympics, was there anything for you being out in the game where you're, you know, competing internationally around the globe that was significant for you, that it was different than sort of being out here within the States, that you experienced maybe things a diff- little differently or came saw them through a different lens at all? Like in just in terms of my playing experience? Or just or... your experience in other countries with that? You know, everything... I like this question because I think sometimes we expect to hear like these, like, oh, it was like very scary and we were so brave to be out. Right. But in fact, it was like my experience has been amazing. It has been so welcoming. And I think even during those times when I was at the height of my career and we were playing in the Olympics, we're playing in the World Cup, the amount of people that would come up to recognize and say, thank you for being out. It was what was like the driving force to say, hey, right? Like this is so important. And it's still the case today, right? How vocal, I use Mega's example before because she's still playing, obviously. So there's a like a living, breathing out player that is globally known outside of just soccer now and how important that is, right? Because I understand how, how lucky and how grateful I am for my experience and how much more ease there was in that, given that my mom is an out woman and been married to her wife for 30 plus years. Like you don't typically hear many stories about that, right? So a lot of people don't have that journey. And it's a much more difficult to say the least, I guess, to to figure out and navigate their sexuality. And so for me, it's like, listen, this is what I can do to help and to at least make this more visible and easier for somebody else than to me, that is all important. And I feel like that's what has really been kind of like the story around, not just in this country, but when we played overseas or we traveled overseas. Yeah, that's awesome. And I did do a little stalking on your IG <laughs> and I saw that you posted kind of an ode to your mom by wearing the tie that she oh, wore yeah. for the last championship game. That's so yeah. awesome. And it's just beautiful to see the connection from, you know, your parent to child, the beautiful game and bringing it all together with being queer. Right. And so just super beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah. Thanks. If people don't know, it's just I had this tie from like the 80s for my mom. That was just a skinny black tie with a little pink triangle. And that my mom wore and I'd go to these like parties when I was younger, like New Year's parties and stuff she had worn that and she had given it to me. And I'm like, okay, when can I wear this? Because for me, it's also like finding moments to push boundaries, right? Especially in television. 
because I am jokingly very like gay looking as well, but I like to like <laughs> mess around with style and like, <laughs> I like to push boundaries. So for me to be at the national, like when we were on the NWSL championship this past fall to be on the sidelines and then wear that tie. And then, yeah, it just pays a little love to my mom and for the pathway that she'd paid for me. That's so freaking cool. Yeah, it's so amazing. Yeah, still- I mean, listen, I'm like so pumped to still have this tie too. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, who doesn't remember the skinny ties of the '80s? That was a very popular <laughs> yeah, thing back good. then. And coming yeah. back, right? <laughs> All right, we got some very important questions very important up next. Questions. <laughs> yeah, perfect. All right, we're gonna ask you. We're gonna start with who is your favorite women's soccer player? Yeah, I like this question. It's tough <laughs> to pick out one though. You know, got to be careful because you do broadcast for a lot of games. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, listen, you start building enemies here. Like, I am not going to pick one because I'm going to pick the 99 Women's World Cup team because through and through that is like my heart and soul there. And the fact that, as we mentioned earlier on the show, uh, my good friend Heather O'Reilly and former U.S. Women's National Team teammate, we do a, a serious XM show on Mondays. And we actually had Julie Ertz on today because she's made a big comeback and she's in your mm-hmm. neck of the yeah. wood now. Yeah, yeah we love her. Brilliant player, spectacular and fun to have her on. And and the general conversation was about like, obviously her comeback after having a baby and being out for nearly two years, but also just like the drive of like what being on the national team has meant to all of us in the community and the camaraderie of like leaving the sport in a better place than when you arrive to it. And uh, so much of that was driven from like the 91 to the 99ers, because a lot of those players were very similar. And just understanding what it meant to like really push boundaries as an entire team and the power, the collective power that they had to get the sport to where it is today. And I think we continuously see that the U.S. Women's National Team push boundaries for equal pay, right? We have mm-hmm. out athletes. So, yeah, it's, I would say more of the 99 because they were the first really visible team for me and what an important piece to history to carry that on. So an entire team. An entire team, man. Yeah. Going with the entire team. <laughs> yeah. so I don't think I we've had that before. Here, so. <laughs> I love it. It's a great answer. Yeah. It's beautiful. All right. Next, who do you think is the sexiest men's soccer player? And that can be past. <laughs> yeah, I laugh. Past uh, or present. <laughs> Uh, this is actually probably my favorite question yeah the first I actually have two for this one because there's a couple that came to mind I mean I think all of us think like Beckham right and no doubt in some stages there's a few but that's played out we love Beckham but but my two are Thierry Henry for sure and maybe a tiny bit lesser known player Diego Forlan the Uruguayan player yeah love him so those two from back in the day for sure all and right. still now. Great choices. Back in yeah. the day, I love it. All right, all right. <laughs> now, where, where can our folks find you on social media, those listening? Yeah, at Lori Lindsay 6. So L-O-R-I-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y 6. Basically across the board, social media. If you're not following Lori yet, you should be following Lori, everyone. Yeah, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Jump on it now. Um, if you're not listening to this podcast, everyone. Well, you are if you're hearing me say this, but more actively and regularly to listen to this podcast. So. Oh, that's very kind yes, of you. That's awesome. Thank so you. We have to record you saying that so I we know, can like, have that on the show on a regular suit. basis. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about promotion. Right. <laughs> Lori, it has been a delight having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. What a wonderful conversation. And that's our show. 
One thing that I learned, something she said that really stuck with me was how she talked about, you know, it's June Pride Month. We're dropping this episode on at the start of Pride Month. But what are we doing the other 11 months? What are mm-hmm. we doing, Daisy? How are we making sure that this is not just one month in the year and the other 11 we sort of forget about? It? I mean, all these corporations, whatever, they'll stick, you know, a rainbow logo on up on their social media and then they'll forget about it in the other 11 months of the year. That's just something to think about. Absolutely. Well, we'll keep pushing it with this podcast for sure. Yeah. And what about you? One thing that I learned also just impactful that Lori said was sharing her experience of how welcoming folks were both at the World Cup and when the Olympics were happening in Germany that I would not have expected to hear. So that makes me incredibly happy that she had that experience. That is awesome. Now, before we go, a reminder to please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at LGBT underscore FC pod. And we want to say a big old thank you one more time to Lori Lindsay for being a part of this special episode of LGBT FC to kick off Pride 2023. Thank yous as well to Brittany Dunton for our music, Ray Dang for our artwork, Melissa Sanchez for our social media, Cheer LA for their cheers on our music, and Pride Republic for their financial support. That's our show, everyone. Have Have a a gay gay day. day.